Welcome to Equiosity, the podcast about all things equine with a special emphasis on the horse-human bond. My name is Alexandra Kerland. I'm the author of The Click That Teaches, a step-by-step guide in pictures, and many other books and DVDs on clicker training. And I'm joined by Dominique Day, one of the co-founders of Cavalia. Everything is connected to everything else. That's one of my favorite training mantras. Last week, Dominique and I began a conversation that started out with a reminder that I have a getting started clinic coming up in July. That began a general discussion of the foundation lessons and the importance of really getting a good start with clicker training. And then that led us through a few fun twists and turns straight to riding. That's where we stopped. And so that's the topic for this week. We're going to be looking in detail at riding with the clicker. You wanted to talk about riding, so. Yeah, well, you know, Alex, we, because we believe in all the foundation and we believe in understanding the science, we haven't talked a lot about riding. I think, you know, before someone gets on a horse's back, they should, they should have good knowledge. You know, they shouldn't just ride it as if it were a right. motorcycle or and even in, and when you ride a motorcycle you need to get through a, a process but but um yeah i'd like to talk about it a little bit uh in the next few episodes maybe and um one of the things that we because you've alluded in the podcast to it a few times that when your work is is it, you use single rein riding yes um, that's what you teach people. And so I'd like to get into that a little bit, okay. just kind of get an overview to start with, you know, what is single rein riding? How different is it from traditional riding? If I were to go in either an English riding class or a Western riding class, what would I learn? And how is single rein riding different from what I would normally learn? And why do you favor this way? You know, what are the advantages? I'd like to give people a little bit of a starting overview of it. You know, why did you pick this and how different is it? Um, Yeah. The the single rein riding that I teach, I evolved from and learned originally from John Lyons. So John Lyons. Yeah, because some people in natural horsemanship, they use single rein riding. Right, they use a, a version of, they use a, a, a different yeah. style. The single rein riding that I originally encountered, I encountered through John Lyons. And it's always important okay. to to refer back, to give to give the, the, the stepping stone. So what did you like about it then? I'm just, I'm just pausing for a moment to sort of think about how to organize. In what order do I talk about the single rein riding? Do I talk about it? From the historical of, you know, this is why I ended up looking at the single rein riding, or do I just jump in and describe what it is? Um, when most of us started out learning how to ride, and we'll, you know, you're that six-year-old kid, or however old you were, 12, 20, 46, it doesn't matter, but you're plunked on a horse in a recreational type of situation and 
two reins are, you know, the rein is put in each hand, and you're told in the crudest of all forms, when you want to stop your horse, you pull back on both reins. When you want to get your horse to go forward, you kick with both legs. When you want him to turn to the left, you pull on the left rein. When you want to turn to the right, you pull on the right rein. And that's riding in its crudest form. Right. Okay. Hopefully, very quickly, it became a little more refined than that. But in its crudest form, many of us would have heard almost to the syllable those words, and then off we go on our pony. And what we're starting out with is we're starting out with two activated rings. Basically, you're starting out with the assumption that you're riding a trained horse. Right. And many of us who were started out riding were not sitting on well-trained horses, educated horses, correctly schooled horses, however you want to frame it. We were starting out on something that was fairly green or even poorly taught or whatever, and where correct use of reins was not something that was well understood by either the rider or the horse, and so it was a bit of a mess. Mm -hmm. And so what we were really doing is we were starting out in the second half of a continuum, but we didn't know that we were even on a continuum. We just said... Oh, this is where you start. You pick up two reins and, and off you go. Two in, independent reins and off you go. And when it didn't work, when you pulled back and your horse didn't stop, the answer was, oh, well, get a stronger bit. So you start out with mm -hmm. a simple snaffle, and then you went into a twisted wire snaffle, and then into a double twisted wire, and then into a kimber wick, and then into a leverage bit, and then, and then, and then, and then. And, and that's a familiar, you know, that's, when I was starting out, I, we heard that a lot. Just get a stronger bit. Mm -hmm. One of my friends who started out about the same time that I did in terms of formal instruction, she got this wonderful 17-3 hand off the track, very ungainly, awkward thoroughbred who had no balance. And you know now looking back, I know I know what the I know I know what was going on with that horse, and I know how the the process that would have helped. But what he would do is he would came as she was cantering around the arena. As he got into the corners, he would speed up because he was so out of balance. He had to speed up to keep from falling down. And so okay. the solution was. Put a stronger bit in him. Well, that didn't help mm, to slow him down. That didn't help his balance. It just made him mm. more fearful, and so he just went faster mm. and faster. So they put a stronger bit and a stronger bit, and he eventually ended up in a bicycle chain in his mouth. Oh my! Now that was not because the trainer was this cruel person who wanted to cut the horse's tongue off. It was because he, he had the benign intent of wanting to keep the rider from being killed when the horse fell going around a corner. But his world didn't have other solutions than mm. put a stronger bit in the horse's mouth. Mm -hmm. you know, when, I, when I really started to explore the riding in a much deeper way, and I was exposed to 
the classical training, and I didn't understand. You know, I did not understand what I was seeing. So I would go up into the upper part of the barn. I, my horses at that point lived in a in a private farm where the they were stabled in an old dairy barn, and we had this phenomenal wooden loft that one of those huge, big wooden barns. And when you were in this loft, it felt like you were in the belly of a ship. They were just glorious spaces. And because it was no longer a dairy farm, it was basically empty. And I would, I had this great dance floor to work in, and I would walk the different patterns. So I would walk the things that I was seeing. You know, what is it, what does it mean when a horse is bent to the left or bent to the, what does bend mean? So I would mimic it in my body. I would, I would explore it. What does it, what happens when a horse falls onto his, down on his left inside shoulder? And so I would, I would lean onto my left shoulder and I would feel what happens in my balance. Oh, look, my hips are flying out when I walk a circle. That's like the horses that I see being lunged. No wonder they move like that. Of course they have to move like that. And as I did that, I began to understand why detente had to speed up through his corners because he was so out of balance he had to it was like when you're running mm -hmm. you're sort of running downhill and you have to keep, run faster 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 to keep from from falling down so you know all of these things were part of what led me to an understanding of the single rein riding and an appreciation of it so what we start out with is we're starting out in the middle of a continuum, but nobody tells us we're in the middle of a continuum because nobody really understands that we're in the middle of a continuum because that's not how we've been taught. But the continuum is this. So an experience that many people have had who've grown up having horses, you know, where you had access to horses when you were a kid and your horses live out in a big, you know, 20 acre pasture and and so it can be a bit of a walk to go get your horse. And in the early mm -hmm. spring, that's fine. It's cool. It's lovely. <clears throat> you walk out. You find your horse. Bring him back up to the barn. You saddle up. You go out for a ride. But now it's summer, and it's hotter. And you have a long walk out to get your horse. And maybe the, the pasture goes down the hill. So it's not bad. You're yep. walking down this hill. You... The pasture goes out, there's some woods at the back end of it, and you find your horse out under the far end of the pasture. There, The horses are all under the trees trying to stay away from the flies, and you and it's hot, and you don't feel like walking all the way back. So you put your halter and your lead on the horse, and you find an old stone wall. This is New England. There are lots of stone walls that you can climb up on or a tree that's fallen over, and you hop on bareback. And your horse is eager to get back to the barn, and so are you. So steering back to the barn is not a problem. You both go, you know, and you're going up the hill, so it doesn't even matter if he, you know, trots or canters up the hill, because by the time you get up to the barn, he's going to slow down anyway. And it's fun, you know, riding back to the barn in a halter and a lead rope. You discover that, you know, it's fun. You can do it. You can you know, it feels fairly safe. You probably aren't even wearing a hard hat because, you know, you're 12 and you're not thinking about these things. And, and your parents who would be hopefully telling you to put your hard hat on don't see what you're doing. 
So now, whether, you know, the time passes and we're getting into the fall weather and you're still riding your horse back up the hill, except now the apple trees are beginning to ripen and your horse isn't as interested in going back to the barn because the flies aren't as bad. And so he deviates off to the right to go to the apple tree. And that's not a problem because you have the lead rope in your left hand and so you, you're 12, you pull, and we say pull because that's what this 12-year-old is doing. We're going to refine that later, but you pull the horse's head to the left. And because you only have the lead rope, the single rein, it's easy. You've got the leverage because you're also above the horse because you're sitting on him. The leverage allows you to pull his nose to the side and the horse spots an apple tree off to the left. All right, he's willing to give up the one that's to his right because he can now head off to the one that's to his left, no problem. So you swing the lead rope around to the horse's other side and you, because you're 12, you pull, we're gonna refine that, you pull the horse's head around to the right, the horse heads off to the right you swing the lead rope, you pull to the left, the horse swings off. You do this a few times and pretty soon the horse is saying, I think I'll just go straight. And so what you discover, and you could say this is all negative reinforcement, what we're using at this point. We haven't refined it yet. We haven't turned it into a teaching process. We're just trying to understand how the single rein riding works. But what you discover is that you have even more control over your pony than you had when you had two reins and you were trying to steer him. That riding in a halter and a lead rope is actually a very effective, very safe way to train or to ride. When you're, you have the ability to bring the horse's head around to the side, you can redirect his feet in a way that you can, you can get the horse to disengage his hindquarters and you can redirect his feet. So why why is it why is it, is it because it's clearer to the horse because there's only you're really focusing on one tool, one rein to get the the turn of the the, the steer. Why is it more why are why are you more efficient with the two reins? One of the reasons is you're not able to trap the horse. So when you have two reins, it's much easier mm. for the horse to feel trapped. And when they feel right. trapped, they start to panic. So okay. when you have just a single rein, you've got the leverage that allows you to bring his head around, but you're not trapping him between the two reins. With the right? other rein. Mm -hmm. But over time, what you begin to say is all this swinging of the lead rope from one side to the <laughs> other that's, that gets old. So now you snap on two reins. So you've got mm -hmm. two reins, but you don't initially treat them as two independent reins that you're using at the same time. You're still riding as though you just have the single the single lead. Okay. And then you, if you're on the left, you would be using the left rein. If you're on the right, you would be using the right rein. And then that evolves okay. into what I've evolved, which is riding on a triangle. And so the riding on a triangle, 
begins initially where you are truly on just a single independent rain. And the outside rain is very droopy. It's very, you know, it can have a big loop in it. It's not. And okay. then over time, as the lessons proceed, then the outside rain begins to be activated. And there's a point at which the horses, the all the the bend issues have been resolved. The horse is picking himself up into good balance. Inside hind lifts outside shoulder is the expression. So the horse is stepping up and through with his inside hind, his outside shoulder lifts, and you receive him into your outside rein. And so now you shift to riding on two independent reins. Well, you could spend a lot of time on the single rein riding, refining it, because it's not just the rein, too, that you're using eventually. You're... What you're learning through the single rein riding is you're learning how to communicate with your body. Right. Because what you're re- one of the things that you're learning, because I said, you know, when I'm describing this, this 12-year-old pulls the horse's head around to the side. The single rein riding, the, the riding on a triangle that I teach, we're not pulling the horse anywhere. You're sliding down, going to a point of contact, but that's, but that's as far as you go. So you're not, you're not doing things to get a response. You're waiting for the response. You're setting it up well, but you're sliding down to a point where you are connected to the horse. He's aware that you're there. And, and you wait. And then it's up to the horse to move his own body. That's the distinction. If I slide down, say I've got that halter in the lead, and I slide down the lead, and I take the lead, and I add enough pressure that I pull the or bring the horse's head to the side, then I have gone too far. Yeah. And it's a huge difference. Is it the horse who moves his own body in response to my request, or am I moving the mm. horse's body? Yeah. So at this point, maybe we need to also mention that you're, um, you've made this clicker compatible, but there is there are still all the same kind of cues where release is used to indicate to right. the horse that he's on the right track. It's, I mean, we've gone through this debate many right. times about whether this is negative reinforcement or not. I know you say it is. For me, when I look at your work, I feel like it's just a cue. But so let's say for now, we won't get into that discussion again. And let's say it's really, really, really mild. Well, let's, let's, let's say that it's a signal yeah. that works through pressure, touch, and then the removal of that touch. So it could be the same yeah. as in a, some of the pigeon studies where a light is turned on a light is turned off. You know, a buzzer sounds, a buzzer stops. And it's not the signal itself that is important. It's how was the meaning of that signal taught. That's the critical piece. You know, if a light turns on and you press a lever and some food comes out of a 
food dispenser, then having the light turn on, it's, it's great. Light, you know, it's, it says it's an opportunity for me to go push the lever and know that food is going to come. If, on the other hand, a light goes on and seconds later, a shock, a shock comes, comes in. It, we're talking a totally different learning system. You know, so, so and if I don't press the lever, then the shock is going to come. So there's, there is no shock at all involved in this procedure. Right. We are using a release, but there's no shock coming. You are waiting for a response. Right. You're so not. So in the single rein riding, we learn to slide down and go to that point of contact. And one of the reasons that that is so important is because of the, that backwards traction cripples horses. So when you are asking a horse to go forward into a fixed hand, which happens, say you want the horse to become rounder, to engage more, to collect more. Many riders have heard the expression, push with your seat, push with your seat, close your hand. And it's not necessarily that that instruction is wrong, but it's often taught at the wrong, it's often given at the wrong point. And where the result is, the horse to protect himself compresses his spine. He, he goes into tension. And that tension can cripple horses, will cripple horses. You can rain lame some horses in a single ride. With other horses, it might take several years before you would rein because they have enough body mass and they're, they're, they're starting out sound enough that they can protect themselves. And other horses, you know, my peregrine with his stifles, if, if I had used backwards traction with him, he's a horse that could easily have been badly crippled within a single ride where you would see rain, what's referred to as rain lameness. So backwards traction cripples horses. So it's that learning how to go to a point of contact and not past it. You see backwards traction, you know, you'll see a rider where their elbows are a little bit behind their the plumb line of their body. That's backwards traction. Or you see a rider where they've, their, hand, their, their elbows are great but their knuckles are angled back. So you see, instead of a nice straight sort of perpendicular line as they're holding the rein, you see their little finger is moving more in the direction of their torso than their index finger. Mm. That's backwards traction. It can be really insidious. Mm. And mm -hmm. it creates tension. And over time, it can create back pain. And it can create joint problems in the horse. So... Learning to go to that point of contact and wait is critically important for keeping horses sound. And it's something that, you know, you just see in so many, many, many situations where that the rider has gone past that point into, into pull. And so on the ground, one of the things from the very first lessons on, what we're learning is how to, how to teach cues, how to go to points of contact, how to wait, and how to become 
alive with information in our bodies. So when you think about that, like the very first targeting lesson, we're sort of looping back to the beginning of, of this talk where I was talking about the getting started clinic that's coming up. You know, in that very first, in that early targeting lesson, we begin, we hold the target up, the horse comes, touches the target, click and treat, and then you begin to change your food delivery so that you're turning into the horse and the horse backs up. So the horse is learning to read your body and, and to understand that that has information that is to his advantage. That rotation of your body is an indication that if he backs up, he's going to get to his um, reinforcement even faster. It's, yeah, so, so we are learning to use our bodies with a live informational awareness. Mm -hmm. So when you are under saddle and you slide down to that point of contact, it's not your hand that is the critical part of that. It is your whole body is providing the horse with information about, oh, if I fill in the blank, you know, back up, go forward, drop my head, shift my balance, right, left, you know, whatever it is. There's so much information coming from the rider that we learn how to talk in complex sentences. So it's not just see, dick, run type of sentences as a rider, but it's complex sentences. And that complex mm. conversation is what, uh, you know, that's when we start looking at Dressage and yeah, you know, all the yeah, lateral yeah. work and just or you know, anything because riding out cross when you're riding out into the back country, you're not just hopefully just sitting like you're sitting on a couch at home, you know, that, that you are you're engaged in a conversation, and that's particularly true when you are engaged in the kinds of conversations that I love, which are really about nuance of balance and where the result is this just you feel like you've died and gone to heaven because the horse feels so good underneath you. I'm going to stop us here. We're about to go into a lot of detail with the single rein riding, but I think it's better if I break this conversation up into smaller units. I don't want some critical pieces to get lost in an overabundance of information. So far, we've talked in part about why you would choose this type of training. You want to avoid that backwards traction that can be so crippling to horses. So, okay, it sounds like a good, good approach. You're telling me that it gives you a lot of uh, control, a lot of safety features, that you can really communicate clearly with your horse. You can get a ride that feels like like heaven, and you can be kind at the same time. You're not using escalating pressure. You're not using threats. So this, this all sounds really good, but how do you actually go about using this approach to riding? Well, that's what we're going to begin to describe next. What does it look like? How do you use it? That's what we'll be covering in the next episodes. If you don't want to wait... <laughs> For the next episodes, if you're eager to get started now or you really just want more depth of understanding, 
than you can get from a, a podcast, then I have some great resources for you in my website. Go to theclickercenter.com to learn more. There's my book, The Click That Teaches, Riding with the Clicker, and it is, it is a very, very in-depth, detailed text on applying this technique to riding, beginning with how do you use these techniques to give you safety under saddle? Because, of course, that's, that's primary. You know, safety always comes first. And then how do you develop it into performance-level riding? So that's, that's my book, The Click That Teaches, Riding with the Clicker. And then it's supported by the DVD lessons. If you are new to my work, please don't go straight into the riding. Start with the step-by-step -step guide in pictures book. Start with the earlier DVDs in the lesson series. Start with the online course. Start with the work that lays a good foundation. If you do that, you're going to understand the written work so much better. It will make so much more sense to you. And you'll have more success with it if you begin with the foundation lessons and then move first into the basics of groundwork, and then move into the riding. So next week, we're going to continue with our description of the single rein riding. We'll be giving you a really solid starting point for understanding this particular approach to riding and, and why I've chosen it to be the, the way in which I weave clicker training into my work under saddle. So until then, stay safe and have fun with your horses. <laughs>